All right. Hi, friends, and welcome back to House Wine, because every wine that you're drinking in your house is technically, at that very moment, your house wine. And this is where we learn about wine. We talk about a wine region every week. My name is Rachel. I am a certified sommelier. I live in Toronto. And every week I build this uh, little pillow fort in my room and I record these episodes about wine uh, so that we can all learn about wine together. So a few housekeeping announcements this week. I have changed the release date of the podcast or the release day of the podcast. Up until now, we've always been releasing on Mondays. But now, uh, just the way the cookie has crumbled with work schedule, I'm going to be releasing the podcast on Tuesdays. Uh, It gives me a little bit of extra time at the end of the week just to sort of put all my eggs in a basket, all my things, collect (laughs) collect myself and uh, get this podcast out. That way I'm not, you know, rushing or sacrificing quality or content and uh, I get time to edit out all those little lip smacks and breaths. lots of breaths that uh, that never make it into the podcast uh, for your listening pleasure. So that is what is happening uh, with the podcast. I've also been uh, really looking to see about news that's happening in wine lately, but it's been coming up a little bit short. Uh, if any of you have some interesting tidbits of information that I can talk about at the top of the show, uh, please feel free to, you know, message me and, and tell me about wine news that you think is relevant. But um, you know, I, I've i been kind of scouring the Decanter website uh, for new and exciting things happening in the wine world. And this week, their, like, their headline news article was that Kylie Minogue is making wine now, which, don't get me wrong, I love Kylie Minogue, but it's not exactly, you know, uh, educational material or anything that is, you know, going to revolutionize the wine industry. But yes, I suppose, I guess that is our little tidbit for this week. I guess Kylie Minogue's making wine now. Uh, So let's all just cross our fingers and hope she doesn't try to call it clean wine and say that it has, you know, zero sulfites, which is, brackets, technically impossible. And, uh, or, you know, she's making some wine that won't give you a hangover, also impossible. Um, As we saw those scandals unfold with the wines made by Cameron Diaz and Gwyneth Paltrow, it's like early, early 2020 or 2019, the, the the clean wine, it's so good for you. It doesn't give you a hangover thing. But yeah, maybe that is, uh, maybe that is, that was juicy enough news to make it to the top of the show segment. Who'd have thought? Kylie Minogue. Anyways, that said, we are diving into Sicily today. Probably one of the most exciting wine regions in Italy. And that is an opinion only, but I think that when you look at the history of this region in contrast with the current status of this region and the climate of this region, it's really hard not to get excited about what Sicily has to offer and the future of wine on this island. I mean, for one, most of the best wines that are made on this island are made on the side of a volcano. You have to be pretty dead inside not to think that that's cool. I mean... (laughs) A volcano. It doesn't get more like badass and metal in the wine world than making wine on a volcano. The history of Sicily is a little different than the history of Italy because this is an island. And though there is a strong agricultural culture here, there's also an equally strong history of trade as Sicily is really right smack dab in the middle of the Mediterranean. 
It's closer to North Africa and Greece and all of those trade routes of antiquity uh, that made it famous for lemons and all these like warmer climate fruits. The Greeks colonized Sicily in the 8th century BCE, and they brought the legacy of Greek winemaking with them. And this is when we see the first references of amphora and winemaking popping up on the island, which was all through antiquity and all through the Middle Ages, even through most of the modern era, really known for the production of its famous sweet wines. Though, of course, they make dry wines as well, but it wasn't until pretty recently in winemaking history that the island, in the winemaking history of the island, that the dry wine started becoming uh, more popular and being paid more attention to. In the beginning, though, all the way back when in antiquity it was a Greek colony, up until the Middle Ages, sort of when we see the rise of those merchant families of winemakers in Tuscany, I think that the argument can be made that Sicily was one of the first major and important wine regions in Italy. And that is just because it is so accessible. Remember when I talked about Italian wine law and I mentioned that most of central Italy was pretty much cut off from trade, really because there was just no rivers there? Well, Sicily is the exception. Trade is really what they did best. And because in the Middle Ages, the capital city of Palermo, which is still today the capital city of Sicily, was so large, they actually could not grow enough food or wine for themselves. They really needed to trade and to rely on trade to feed their people. Sicily became a hub for really all things Mediterranean. Everything that you could get from North Africa, the Middle East, Spain, France, it was really all coming through Palermo. So this too <laughs> became a hub of the prized wines of Sicily. And those were the sweet wines, which was in the Middle Ages, uh, some of the best wines that money could buy. Now, to understand why these wines were so prized, we have to really look at the climate of Sicily. It is warm here. It's very warm. The wines that we drink today, the crisp dry whites, though they have a roundness of a warm climate, they're really benefited by the altitude on which they're grown, namely on the slopes of Mount Etna, because the climate here is hot and it's also very dry, which means that at the time of harvest, the grapes have a really high sugar content meaning that back in the day, when it was a little harder to control your fermentations, they were often left with some residual sugar or sweetness, which was good, because though the trend today is to enjoy dry wines, historically, we humans really like things that are sweet. So it makes sense that the wines that were of particular interest here were the sweet, strong wines that would, in the day before temperature control, withstand a longer voyage across the sea. And we have seen this before when we talk about the sweet wines of Constantia, and also when we will inevitably one day start talking about wines from other islands that were trade-based and needed to withstand long trips like Madeira. Fast forward to the 20th century, Sicily is the second highest producer of wine by volume in all of Italy. The wines are not really focused on quality as much as they are cheap and cheerful wines that you would pick up at like a grocery store as a kind of cheap, quaffable wine. As you may already know, if you've ever watched The Godfather, uh, the Sicilian Mafia is quite influential and they also had a lot of dealings, kind of their, their fingers in the pie of food and wine. Uh, mostly with olives and olive oil, but 
wine definitely uh, came into the mix. And the money for the better part of the 20th century wasn't in putting out quality producer-driven wines, but rather by selling mass quantities of cheap wine. And this really, really hindered the perception and the growth of wine in Sicily for some time because, you know, in order to make money, like the quick, easy money was in bulk wine. And this was really the status quo until the wines of Etna really started taking off. The volcanic soil on the side of this still active volcano that is Etna provide a real richness and a complexity that is like catnip for wine lovers. So let's get into the kind of wines that they're making here. Remember when I said that Sicily was an island of commerce? Well, many of the grapes here are rooted in that tradition of trade in the Mediterranean, which is great because it has a huge diversity of wines and grapes, but is also annoying because if you are studying wine or want to explore this region, sometimes it can become a little hard to decipher. All over the island, they make red and white wine. The whites here are characterized by the rich and fuller-bodied, at times even a little floral grapes of Caracante, Catarato, and Malvasia. The former two, which are usually found blended, are also both native to Sicily, and Malvasia is one of those grapes that really just gets around. You can find it grown pretty much everywhere that those ancient Romans would have been bartering. It's kind of like the white equivalent to Grenache. It's just all over the Mediterranean. It, it doesn't taste like Grenache, but it's like trade-wise. It's, it's just, it's everywhere. Caracante is a workhorse of a grape. It's rich and full-bodied with notes of Meyer lemon, chamomile, peach, You'll find this often grown at very high elevations on the slopes of Etna so that it can retain some of its acidity and freshness, as it's known for ripening quite early and also being a very high-yielding grape. Re, why this grape was often used to make those bulk wines that Sicily was associated with for so long. Thankfully, it was realized that it can do more than just make $9 vino italiano and that there is also a market for better styles of this wine. Think Chardonnay, but with more florals and kind of some extra oomph. Its longtime friend and blending partner, Catarato is a distant relative of the grape that they used to make the wines of Suave, uh, way up north in the Italian province of Veneto. Nerd aside, we haven't done Veneto yet, but the grape that they used to make Suave is called Garganega, but that's kind of another episode. These grapes keep a little bit more of their acidity, and when they're blended into Caracante, they add a freshness and a lighter fruit profile to the wines. Now, Malvasia is a bit of a beast of a grape. There are many different kinds of Malvasia. And like I said, they're found all over Europe, from Sicily to Hungary. This grape and variations of this grape can be found all over the place. It is a distinctly floral grape. And these are grapes that were thought to be so old that they came over when the Greeks colonized Italy all the way back in 800 AD, which, if it is true, has given this grape a lot of time to mutate and have a lot of offspring. So Malvasia can be made sweet or dry, but it is often used to make 
sweet wines. Then when we talk about the red wine of Sicily, we're really talking about a grape called Nerello Mascalese. Yes, there are other reds, to be sure. Uh, There are even other native red grapes here, but Nerello Mascalese really dominates the conversation. The wines made from this grape are almost oddly light-bodied, given that what you would expect from these wines growing in such a warm climate. And that is because they are usually grown on, and I will say this again, the slopes of Mount Etna, where the elevation and the volcanic soils really make this grape have to work for its richness. Though there are some red fruit characters in this wine, it kind of follows the line of the tart cherry that characterizes most Italian reds. The thing about Norello Mascalese is that it's very earthy. If you have ever smelled leather, cigar box, cinnamon, or, you know, the rocks from a still active volcano in a wine, then you may have had your hands uh, on a Norello Mascalese. There is another red grape that comes up a lot, uh, though may not quite be as wildly grown, or widely grown rather, as Norello Mascalese, and that is Nero Davila. Nero Davila is a more distinctly full-bodied wine with black fruits like plum and black licorice. It's a pretty heavy wine. And as is the case with many of the wines of Sicily, it's often blended to be rounded out uh, with grapes that have a little bit of a higher natural acidity for freshness. There are other grapes than the ones that I mentioned. Uh, Shout out to Frappato, one of my personal favorites of the native grapes of Sicily. But I think after talking about Nero Davila, it's sort of a good time to transition into talking about the Appalachians that make up Sicily and which ones represent the most iconic wine that the region has to offer. Sicily, for all of its popularity in recent years, only has one DOCG, just one. And that is the DOCG of Cersuolo di Vittoria. Now, there are a handful of quote-unquote Cerisuolo appellations all over Italy, and they are not really connected to one another. Cerisuolo means the color of cherries, but there is also a Cerisuolo d'Abruzzo, and there is also another Cerisuolo appellation in, Mo- in Molise, uh, another province in Italy as well. The wines in Cerisuolo di Vittoria are only red wines, and they are mostly made out of Nero Davila though they also do blend in that lighter, fresher, more high-acid frappato in there as well, just to, you know, give them a little bit more zippiness, I guess. Harkening back to Sicily being a hub of trade, one of the things about that is that many of these grapes here have multiple names for the same grape. So in this appellation, even though most everywhere else they call it Nero Davila, it is often called Calabrese, like the salad. This appellation is divided into two parts, which sit at the very southern tip of Sicily, right jutting out into the Mediterranean. The northern or top part of this region sits just below the Salso River in southern Sicily, and it's just regular old Cerisolo di Vittoria. They are doing their thing there. They're making red wines, uh, many of which are still aged in clay amphora to avoid any of the flavors that oak might impart in the wine. The southern half of Cerisolo di Vittoria is actually called Cerisolo di Vittoria Classico. This is the more site-specific part of the region that existed before the great expansion of so many of the great Italian wine regions. 
Here, like in Chianti or Suave, the Classico represents the original part of the appellation. Now, though Sicily has just one DOCG, Etna DOC is pretty hot on its heels. Etna is the appellation that forms this crescent moon around the east side of Mount Etna. And I would not be surprised if in the next couple of years, uh, maybe a couple months, maybe a couple of weeks, I don't know, who knows, there will be an announcement that Aetna has been upgraded to DOCG. You heard it here first. <laughs> or probably not. I'm sure there's like a million articles on the internet about it. But the wines here are generally very, very good. The reds and the whites especially are of note here. And I say that because there is, in fact, a significant amount of sparkling wine that gets made here though I can say pretty definitively that there is not a whole lot of sparkling Etna hitting shelves in the wine shops of Toronto. If you guys have it in your market, please let me know how it is. <laughs> they even make red sparkling there, although I must admit I've never tried a sparkling Etna. The white wines here are blends, and they're blends of those two white grapes, the indigenous grapes, Caracante and Catarato. The reds here are almost always Nerello Mascalese with room to blend in a few other red grapes that are known to be popular in Sicily. Norello Mantinello sometimes is blended in here, and sometimes we call Norello Mantinello Norello Cappuccio. It's a whole thing, <laughs> and it's usually the favorite for blending. These wines are good. Like, they're very, very good. And the thing about the wines that are grown on volcanic soils is that they all seem to have this very unique flavor to them. Not just the wines of Etna, any wine that is grown on volcanic soil. They all seem to have this very smoky, savory quality that comes from that, you know, sulfurous volcanic rock. It's almost a, a brininess that expresses itself as olive and smoke notes in the wine. They are seriously delicious, and though it can at times be hard to pinpoint exactly which wines are considered volcanic and which wines are not, the nice thing about the wines of Etna is that they are always a guaranteed 100% surefire bet volcanic. Why? Because they're literally grown on a stalactite volcano, as I've mentioned probably three times already in this podcast, just because it's very cool. Altogether, there are 23 DOC appellations in Sicily. So we are not going to go over all of them. Uh, that would be a lot. Cherisuolo di Vittoria and Etna are really the most popular and the most commercially exposed or <laughs> the most commercially exported uh, into our market on the high end. And spoiler alert, today we're just going to talk about the dry wines because next week we're going to do a deeper dive into the sweet wines of southern Italy. As the popularity of the wines from Enna and Cherisuolo have gone up, so too have the prices. These aren't burgundy prices, not by a long shot, but an entry-level bottle of Etna Rosso from one of the more iconic producers from the region like Planeta or Kos is going to start around $30 or $40. Kos, who are actually based in Cherisuolo di Vittoria, is a relatively young winery. They only started in 1980, and they were co-founded by the Octipinti family, uh, which now has their own label of wines in Sicily. And they quickly became popular for their early adaptation of biodynamic and organic winemaking, which in Sicily, due to the hot, dry climate, is actually pretty accessible. Because the disease pressure from things like mold caused by rain is relatively low. 
Many of the great producers of Etna or Cherisuolo make wine in both places, which is true for both of the aforementioned producers. Other producers like Benanti, which are also famous in the region, have their roots a little bit more steeped in history. That house dates back to about the mid-1700s. With a surge of popularity in Etna recently, it's also attracted the eye of winemakers from off-island. Italian producers and international producers alike have begun buying up land around Etna to make wine. The Antonori family, who at this point feels like they own half of Italy, uh, were some of the first to start paying attention from outside of Sicily itself. Though most of the best wines that are coming out of Sicily are from very small local producers who've been making wine there for a long time. Some of the best producers are still Sicilians making wine in Sicily. So if you want to try wine from Sicily, but aren't feeling adventurous enough to spend money on some of the more famous appellations, then I encourage you to check out or look for some of the lesser known, lesser picked over regions that Sicily has to offer. Faro DOC makes great wine right on the northern tip of the island, the one that almost touches mainland Italy. These wines are very much like the wines that are made in Etna, as they are almost always made out of Norella Mascalese. However, they are just a little bit more fruit-driven, given that there's less volcanic soil here. But the whole island is pretty volcanic, so you still get a little bit of that smokiness. Similarly, or maybe not so similarly, Menfi DOC, which is on the complete opposite side of the island, all the way in the west, is where you find basically every grape being grown that could be grown in Sicily. If you are looking to try a Sicilian Chardonnay or maybe a Sicilian Syrah, then this is the place for you. You tend to find a lot of international varieties here. This is also where you find the whole rest of Italy. You find things like Sicilian Sangiovese and Alianico. There are some very interesting projects that use international varieties in Sicily. And Chardonnay has actually become quite common as a blending partner for some of the more indigenous grapes of Sicily, like Caturato, as Chardonnay retains its natural acidity very, very well. And then there are more general appellations like Syracuse DOC, where you can make anything and everything from Pasito-style wines, where they dry the grapes either on the vine or on mats, to sparkling and frizzante wines, and pretty much everything in between. It's good to note as well that the whole island of Sicily is also its own DOC, which covers the entire island, and they make everything. I mean everything. The list of allowable grapes is about 50 to 70 or something like that. But this means that in between the spaces of those more site-specific DOCs is where you have still much of that bulk wine coming. And this bulk wine usually just says Sicilia uh, or Sicilia DOC on the label. And these were the wines that were, or possibly still are, uh, aligned with the mafia and really just pumping out this like bulk grocery store wine for the masses. So if you have never drank wine from a still active volcano and your interest has peaked this week, actually, hold on. Before I end the episode, I can hear my fellow nerds thinking out loud, but Rachel, what about the other appellations of Sicily? Those sweet wines uh, that made it famous to begin with. 
I already, spoiler alerted you, we're going to keep doing Sicily next week, and it's going to be all Marsala and Marsala and its friends, um, all the sweet wines. So I didn't forget. Uh, sweet wines are a bit of a harder sell, but hopefully next week we'll get excited about them. I'm generally excited about sweet wine. I love sweet wine. But if you have never drank wine from a still active volcano and you think, wow, that would be really cool, before you go to run off to buy yourself a bottle of Etna Bianco, scroll down, leave this episode uh, a rating, a review, five stars, because this is 100% independent. It's a little labor of love I do every week producing this, producing this little show. So every time you comment or leave a review, it makes my day. I am Rachel, and you can find the podcast on Instagram at housewinepodcast at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at Rachel with an A-E-L and Picard like the captain. And if you spotted a correction or a mistake or you're just desperate to get a hold of me, you can also email the podcast at housewinepodcast at gmail.com. Hopefully you guys are excited about the wines of Sicily. I'm super excited about the wines of Sicily. And maybe we'll have an announcement, some actual wine news soon that Etna is now a DOCG. We'll see. Anyways, <laughs> enjoy your week, drink lots of wine, and keep learning. Okay, bye guys. Bye.